You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, which are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is a reading of Collected Works, Volume 88, by Rudolf Steiner, translated by James Hines, entitled Concerning the Astral World and Devakon. And these are notes to lectures, not actual stenographic reports. This is Lecture 6, entitled Kama Loka, given in Berlin on December 2nd, 1903. Human beings participate in this astral world that we have learned about, even during their physical life. Daily and hourly we participate in the processes of the astral world. We have learned of the processes and beings that can be met in the astral world by those whose eyes have been opened to this world. Today again a special region shall be singled out. Today we wish to look more closely at what theosophy calls Kamaloka. If we wish to understand Kamaloka, then we must, above all else, be clear concerning the fact that we have already passed through many incarnations during our evolution. That our present incarnation in the flesh has been preceded by many others, and many more will follow. What is important is that we are to fulfill the tasks given to us in this incarnation. The idea that theosophy distracts a person from life or that it wants to lead people into a kind of dreamy fairyland state, is entirely false. So too is the idea that it preaches an abnegating asceticism that turns people away from life. Those would be an entirely false understanding of what the theosophical movement wants to achieve. It is much more accurate to say that theosophy regards this earthly life as precisely the instrument we should use in order to fulfill the highest spiritual tasks of evolution. Those who withdraw from life, who do not also employ spiritual forces in the physical world, are not fulfilling the tasks they have been assigned on earth. For this reason, the ideals of theosophy include this, that we extract from our physical existence the greatest possible usefulness for the higher life. We know, and today we must presuppose this, that what the human spirit is, what the actual true self in us is, incarnates within earthly existence not once but countless times. We know that this, our present earthly existence, has been added to countless earlier incarnations. We must now ask the question, what does the human self achieve in the time between two incarnations? How does the human self participate in the other worlds that are not like our physical world? The human soul is able to extract from our physical existence the greatest possible usefulness for its development only through the fact that it pilgrims through the other worlds in the appropriate way. The worlds through which a human being pilgrims in the time between two incarnations begin with Kamaloka and then Devakan. When, after death, 
the physical sheaths of human beings have fallen away, then they enter into a world which we call in theosophy Kamaloka, or, quote, the place of desires, close quote. And after they have been delayed there for a while, they then pilgrim through the higher spiritual world, Devakan, which we refer to as the world of spirit. After the human soul has completed its earthly pilgrimage, it also pilgrims through these worlds. If we wish to know the part played by these two other worlds, Kamaloka and Devakan, in the whole human pilgrimage, we must, above all, think of the tasks that human beings must fulfill in their earthly existence. These have always been taught in esoteric science and are today also taught to us by theosophy. There are very specific tasks that the human self has to undertake and carry out during its earthly pilgrimage. Human beings must develop specific virtues that they cannot develop outside this earthly pilgrimage. There are seven such virtues. Human beings came to earth with the seed of these virtues and a talent for them. And at the end of their earthly pilgrimage, they are to have developed these seven virtues. If I may make a comparison, I would say, imagine a human being who has a great talent for goodwill toward his fellow human beings, a wholly generous person, who is, however, entirely poor and therefore not in a position to make use of this gift for beneficence. Similarly, human character has a talent for beneficence in the highest degree. However, human beings cannot yet make any real use of it. Now, let us imagine that this person moves to a distant, as yet undeveloped country and attempts to make it productive. Through hard work he produces so much that he then acquires the means to benefit his fellow citizens when he returns to his original country. Now he can carry out what his gift for generosity had prepared him for. With our first incarnation on earth, we human beings were equipped with a gift for seven such virtues. After millions of years, we will have completed our earthly pilgrimage, and these gifts will have been developed into virtues. We will then be able to make use of these abilities in a future planetary evolution. There are four lower virtues, justice or equity, abstinence from judgment, courage, prudence, and wisdom. Prudence and wisdom sum it all up. This virtue allows us to pass judgment on our earthly conditions. And in that way we to take hold of ourselves in the flow of earthly events. Through the inner work required to achieve these abilities, we acquire the power that allows us to engage in the world with leadership and strength. The three higher virtues are faith, hope, love. Goethe expressed it with the words, quote, Everything transitory is only a parable. Close quote. If in everything we see and hear, we see merely a symbol for something eternal, of which it is the expression, then we have faith. That is the first of the three higher virtues. The second is to develop a feeling for the fact that we should never remain standing at the same place where we are standing now, 
a feeling for the fact that we human beings today of the fifth post-Atlantean epoch will later develop ourselves to a higher level. That is hope. We have then faith in the eternal and then trust, hope in higher levels of development. The last virtue is love, the last goal of our cosmos to be developed. For this reason we also call our earth the cosmos of love. Because we belong to the earth, we are to develop love within ourselves. And when we will have completed our earthly pilgrimage, the earth will be a cosmos of love. Love will then be a power we expect to find in every human being. It will then be present as a matter of course, just as much as the magnetic force of attraction and repulsion is a matter of course in magnets. Gradually through various incarnations, human beings must develop these virtues. We are approximately at the middle point on this path. What these virtues will one day represent has been correctly characterized by Christian theology. Quote, what no eyes have seen, no ear has heard, nor the heart of man conceived. Close quote. These words signify that no one can imagine the way these virtues will one day exist in their perfected form. From step to step we are creating ourselves through work in the various incarnations we pass through. We descend from the spiritual world equipped for these seven virtues and then must develop these virtues in life in order to really have them. Thus our earthly life is nothing more than a journey through a country in order to work there, transforming our gifts into true abilities. Those who move into this country must at first devote themselves to this work, and perhaps during the work they will not always be able to see this lofty goal. We develop these virtues by connecting with other people to develop courage, justice, fairness, hope, love, and so forth. We come together with other people, and we must use these encounters in order to develop these virtues. To develop these virtues we must descend out of the spiritual world into the physical world. We become entangled in what the physical world contains, and this world always contains the astral, the world of desires, of longings, Kamaloka. We cannot develop our prudent wisdom so greatly that it shocks the whole world. No, we must be satisfied with the fact that we can work in a way that corresponds to the time and place in which we are born. Galileo and Giordano Bruno developed their kama manas, their higher soul forces, in the folk and time in which they were incarnated. Giordano Bruno's intellect was good for his folk and his time. Had he been set in another folk and been born at a different time, he would have had to have other abilities. We are entangled through our tasks in the physical environment, and it is the same with our higher abilities. In each incarnation we are limited to a narrow area. Even our understanding and our higher soul forces are confined by certain narrowly defined limits as are most definitely our wishes, desires, passions, and instincts. 
we must pour into our wishes what we have brought with us out of the spiritual world. If I want the highest, then I must surround the highest with wishes. In order for us to fulfill our tasks in the physical world, we must grow together with the physical world, and we thereby create a kind of shell around us through which we are connected with the world of wishes and desires. Just as you are connected with the objects in the physical world in such a way that you can bump into them, so too you are connected with the world of the astral through your wishes, desires and passions. And just as you are separated from the world of earth by death, so too you must gradually free yourself after death from the astral world. We have grown together with the people with whom we have worked. We must first shed this sheath, which is like a shell around us. This happens in Kamaloka. Even though we lose our earthly sheath immediately with death, we are still united with the world of our wishes, desires and passions. We must struggle for a time with this earthly existence because of the passions that still bind us with earth. This is called the stay in Kamaloka. Just as the earthly physical world consists of various regions, so too the astral world consists of various regions. They can be divided up according to the seven virtues I have named. We are entangled and chained to the astral world in a certain way through the fact that we are developing these virtues. We must learn to practice justice and fairness consciously. We can do this only by overcoming astral forces. Justice can exist only in a world that has individual beings separated from one another. Fairness is possible only from one individual to another. I must consciously conduct my actions toward other individuals justly and fairly. Thus I must first experience myself as an individual being, in order to practice justice toward my fellow human beings. A precondition for this is that each person feels him or herself to be separate from the others. Human beings must first be separated off one from another as individuals, and this separate existence then leads to battle for survival of the fittest. This struggle for existence is the opposite pole, exactly the opposite pole of justice. The struggle for existence must be overcome through the virtue of fairness and justice. We must shed everything within us that is set against other people, shed every vice that arises from the battle for survival of the fittest. The region of Kamaloka, where the forces behind the battle for the survival of the fittest hold sway, is the darkest region in Kamaloka. Ancient Egyptian documents speak of this region that is as black as night, in which beings stumble around in error and darkness. Quote, there is no air, no water here. No human being can live here with peace in his heart. Close quote. Abstinence from judgment learning to refrain from passing judgment with respect to our environment, is the second virtue that must be practiced. We usually judge according to the sympathy and antipathy we feel for what is in front of us. 
we gradually learn that if we want to understand a person, we must move beyond sympathy and antipathy. We must overcome them. And just as justice has an opposite pole in the struggle for the survival of the fittest, so abstinence from judgment have a vice representing its opposite pole, the tendency to surrender oneself to every stimulus coming from the external world. Antipathy and sympathy must be stripped away during our stay in the second region of Kamaloka. The virtue of courage can be developed only by those who are not protected from temptation. We can develop this virtue if its opposite pole is present and we are entangled within it. Day by day, hour by hour, we are subjected to temptations. We must set this aside in the third stage by developing the virtue of courage in this region. Prudence and wisdom can be developed only by our passage through countless errors. Goethe said, quote, The human being errs as long as he strives. Close quote. Just as children learn that they are hurt when they fall, so too all great human beings have learned from experience they brought upon themselves by erring. This happens in the fourth region of Kamaloka. Now for the higher virtues. The first is faith, which is recognizing the eternal in the temporal world of earth. The view that everything transitory is merely a parable for something higher. The various world views are ongoing attempts to lead people in the most varied ways to the knowledge of the eternal, here or there, in this or that nation. We must push past the letters of the dogmas to the actual words, and thus to the spirit. Move past dogma to true inner experience. We will always be in danger of being ensnared in a circumscribed field of individual letters. Although in life we are necessarily a member of a certain era, nevertheless, we must first set aside what has become dogma in order to arrive at the truth that is expressed in all world views and religions. In the fifth region we meet the pious, literal-minded followers of all religious confessions, of all world views, the faithful, literal-minded Hindus, the faithful, literal-minded Muslims, the faithful, literal-minded Christians, and also theosophists who are literal-minded. The next virtue is called hope by Christendom. We can develop hope only when we believe in advancing evolution. We can come to understand this through theosophical teachings, which lead us to the thought of the advancing development of humanity. There has been tremendous human evolution before our time. In the view of Chalas, however, future evolution and human development will be even greater. They develop a feeling for the fact that human beings must not be allowed to remain with the finite, limited ideals that belong only to their time. They look at Socrates or Robespierre or the idealists of our time. Consider for yourself whether their ideals would have been appropriate for any other people of any other era. Ask yourself if the ideals and hopes of Columbus could have been translated into reality at any other time in any other folk. This is what we must 
shed in the sixth region of Kamaloka, the limitations that living in one specific time among one particular people impose upon us. In order to learn to love, we must begin in a finite world. In order to acquire a higher concept of love, we must begin with small, limited circumstances, with the transitory and finite, and then develop further. Love must become a matter of course, a power that is always a given, always present. It must become the goal for which we are always striving. When human beings have developed love, they will be able to experience themselves in the seventh and highest region of Kamaloka. There are seven purifying fires that a soul must pass through in Kamaloka. Then the soul ascends into Devakan, where there are again seven regions. Only the fruit of high ideals can be carried over into a new existence, into a new incarnation. Whatever is bound to place and time must fall away in Kamaloka. Thus we must pass through the seven stages of Kamaloka, depending upon whether we need the one or the other purification. Thus, for example, if a soul needs to develop courage and therefore must be strengthened against wishes and longings, then it will awaken in the region in which it can purify the negative. The other regions it will pass through more or less asleep. This is what theosophy calls the stay in Kamaloka. What we must go through on our pilgrimage through earthly life makes it possible for us to advance from one stage of evolution to the next and forces us to go through states between death and a new life in order to shed the dross. The various places in Kamaloka are understandable only to seers. The stage comes for chelas when they begin to understand the brightness the moment in which the I, E-Y-E, is opened for the astral world. What is in the physical world is then no longer present. They see the sun shining at midnight. Other people cannot see the sun shining at midnight. This is no mere symbol. It should be taken as literally as possible. The sun actually becomes visible for the astral eye at midnight. Chelas can cross over the threshold. They see what a person sees normally only after crossing over the threshold of death. This is not a theory, but is actual experience. People can tell you about it just as, for example, a person can tell you of his experiences on a trip to America. The materialistic worldviews and attitudes of the last centuries had no clue that there are such higher worlds. Theosophy has taken on the task to awaken the awareness that such higher worlds exist. The origin of the Theosophical Society is found in the necessity that this information be imparted, especially in our present-day civilization. It is necessary that once again the voice of a higher world be heard speaking into this, our present world. We must be led to what the seven virtues teach us, and what can be learned through them. We must recognize how these virtues can be developed. The last task is wisdom in love and love in wisdom. 
after developing the seven virtues, we will achieve love in wisdom and be able to carry it forth from our spiritual evolution into the earthly world. You will find this expressed already in the wisdom of Solomon, in the words, quote, Therefore I prayed, and understanding was granted me. I called for help, and a spirit of wisdom came to me. I preferred her above scepter and throne, and held riches as naught by comparison. Close quote. This is what everything depends upon. We must not withdraw ascetically from physical existence, but rather raise it to a higher existence. We must nurture and cultivate the kingdoms of the world and develop what was called spiritus sapientiae in the Middle Ages, the spirit of wisdom. And with the spirit of wisdom, we will move on to a new planetary existence. We can experience all this in the astral world. The intention of this lecture was to give a brief report of this astral world, which is located right next to our physical world. Next time, we will speak of the spiritual world, the world of Devakan. The end of Lecture 6